to Respect the Process. I am Kelly Hunter alongside good friend and voice of Alabama football, Chris Stewart. And we shut Lane Kiffin up, seemingly. Well, turn the volume down. Do you ever really shut Lane Kiffin up? He's in the rearview mirror. I, I mean, for Nick Saban, business as usual, on to the next game. Nick Saban doesn't know what we're talking about, I'm sure. But for everybody else, it was highly enjoyable to... Uh, to see not only the defense get cut through like a hot knife through butter mm-hmm. in the second half, early in the second half. Pete Golding didn't do anything yeah. bad. He was not deal. But Lane Kiffin's <laughs> offense uh, not being more than it was was highly enjoyable for many, many people. And for Alabama, 24-10 to win. Um, Really, the difference in the two halves was execution, as yeah. Nick said on Monday in his press conference. I agree. I, look. We talked last week about the way Alabama finished the game against USF. Really impressive. You wondered if it would translate into momentum. Different quarterback, different opponent. Um, Clearly, it didn't carry immediately over into the first half Mm -hmm. of the next game. But when you only get three points on what had been a pretty promising drive, then you give up a touchdown, if memory serves, on the very next Mm -hmm. drive. It would have been very easy to go, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. Then you you block a punt, you get first and goal at the one, but you get second and goal from the 16, and you only get three once again. That's one of those where mentally things could have gone south, mm-hmm. but for that to only be a 7-6 game at the half, that almost felt like a win to me, and to get the ball, and to respond the way they did start the second half. That was great to see. Uh, assertive, effective efficient and took the lead and then made sure you grabbed it further. Um, I was I was excited to see how that, that team looked. Ole Miss is not bad. Ole Miss is good. Alabama still has a ton of work to do. There's no doubt about that. But Jalen Milrow was outstanding. I'm sure you're going to get to that in a minute. But I was really happy for him mm-hmm. and great to see collectively what that team did to make sure that that was not a questionable game down the stretch. And Milrow's line w- was respectable, 17 to 21. Take that. You'll take 17 yeah. to 21, 225. You don't like the pick, obviously. Right. Uh, that costs you points because that's going to be a touchdown at a minimum field goal. And he, he throws the pick on third down. But one touchdown, which was a phenomenal throw, great catch by Jalen Hale, but a phenomenal throw knowing that he is going to have the absolute snot knocked out of him on that play. And I want to talk about that because I I was thinking about it, and it reminded me of last week we talked about Friday, movie Friday. Yeah. That reminded me. Smokey, you got (laughs) not out. (laughs) So we're talking about the third quarter. Sorry, I may have seen it a time or two. Alabama's up by two. Yeah. And Milrow takes the hit. And... It reminded me of the movie Gladiator, where Proximo is talking to Maximus, and he says, to win the crowd, you win your freedom. And when he got up, that was a turning point for him. He won the crowd. He won, I was yeah. sitting watching at home, and everybody at that point was like ready to stand up and bump. I mean, I really think we may look back on that, and there may be other moments. I think that was a defining moment for him. First of all, broadcast history, because no other podcast anywhere ever will you find references to Friday and Gladiator Same question. within a 30-second uh, span. Second, 
you're absolutely right. This was a that became, in my opinion, time will tell. You got to do it week mm-hmm. in and week out. But in that moment, that became Jalen Milrose football team. Absolutely, I don't think there's any doubt about that. That became his team. In that moment, it was fun to see. Uh, I thought it was one of the best plays of the day, given the fact he knew how hard he was going to be mm-hmm. hit. He still delivered a heck of a throw, completely off balance, on the money, when he'd already thrown a pick. And, you know, a lot of guys, it would have been understandable, especially with his speed and his strength, if he had pulled that ball down and opted to run right or left. Probably could have still made a play. But knowing he was going to get leveled, he still made himself as vulnerable as yeah. he could be. Didn't just stand in there, left his feet knowing he's going to get pile-drived into the turf and made the throw on the money. It was a fantastic play. I mean, because uh, you see the trainers out there. Sure. You're thinking, oh, my gosh. Yeah, here, finally he's, he's gotten it. Um, finally gosh. he's starting to get going, and, man, he's out. Nope. No. Nope. And I'll go Jerry Maguire, too. Okay. He stood up. That was a good one. It was almost okay. like the receiver there. Was Show it, me the money. Uh, in terms of the offense, was it execution or was it more tailored to Milrow, do you think? I think week? it was a combination. I think it was more tailored to him, which enabled the execution to be at a higher level. Um, and also, let's not forget, Ole Miss is a, is a good, reputable mm-hmm. team and good defensively. They're not Texas. Yeah. And that takes us back to what we talked a little bit about two weeks ago. And I think we're going to talk more about when we get to the end of this season. Alabama didn't play well against the Longhorns. Bama's clearly still got to get better from even this week. They lost to a heck of a team that was playing at a really, really high level in Texas that particular day. So a lot of the things we talk about in a negative light about Alabama – Yes, we're somewhat because of Alabama, but a lot of it had to do with who they were playing mm-hmm. and the way they played. So Ole Miss and Texas are not the same football team, and that's one reason Alabama was able to look as good as they did Saturday as opposed to the way they did, I guess, three weeks ago now against the Longhorns. Is Coach Saban being more patient with this team than maybe we've seen? Because there have been times in the past where you've seen it almost feel like he was going to tear his hair yeah. out. Maybe knowing the talent out there was not playing to where it was, but maybe right. his expectation of where the team is this year, he's just more patient. I think there's some to that, but here's what he is the master of that most people don't think about or have a chance to see, and I've been kind of privileged. Not that I'm there at practice every day because I'm not. I don't see everything behind the scenes, but I get a little peek behind the curtain a tad mm-hmm. more than most. When the world is against his team, he will be the first one to rally behind them and make sure they know he believes in them. Where I have seen him his most angry and ornery and uptight is when Alabama plays phenomenal. When they beat USC in the opener, however many years ago it was, Jalen Hurts' first ball game, He was spitting venom after that game and in the days that followed because he knew the narrative was going to be that Jalen Hurts is all of this and Alabama's beating USC by 50 and Alabama's going to cakewalk to the national championship. All these things that would hinder them 
from getting better week by week yeah. so they could accomplish exactly what people said they were going to be and what they turned out to be. So, that being said, right now, they don't need anybody else criticizing them. They need somebody loving on them. Yeah. And he's great at that. I don't think it's a false narrative. I don't think he's saying something he doesn't believe. But I do think he feels the need to be very vocal about it because they're not hearing how great they are from a lot of other places these days. And I think he's trying to, I think he's mentally trying to make sure that they don't give up on themselves and know that he believes in them so they will believe in themselves. Speaking of which, where is the hiccup? Is it at center? Mm. Is it Milrow? Because and what's interesting about that is, particularly against Ole Miss, when their quarterbacks had to swap out, we yeah. saw the difference mm-hmm. in QB1 and QB2 because all of a sudden QB2 is trying to get the cadence down. It's not happening. I think a lot of people have questions about because I, we have heard they will yeah. not be in the shotgun at the one again. Um, uh-huh. But it's, just, it's an odd combination right now. It is, and I'm always quick to point out I had taken a snap since oh, no, I was 10. Yeah. I was... Pretty good then, but anyway. I don't doubt uh, it. Yeah, yeah, you do, and and you should. No. But anyway, I think it truly has been a combination. There's no doubt that some of the snaps have been off target, uh, wrong time. Sometimes it can be timing, and sometimes that's quarterback's fault. Um, the snap at first and goal from the one, I think it was a tad high. I don't think it was one that Milrow should have let go through his fingers. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it may have come a half count, if not a full count, sooner than he was anticipating, which affected his ability to get his hands up in yeah. time and in the right spot to be able to bring that in as easily as he probably would have otherwise. That being said, there have been some clear miscues in that regard. So um, that is the most basic of things. That doesn't mean it's the most simple But if you don't get that right, you've got no chance at getting anything else right. Because even if it's not over his head or past him like that one was on first and goal, it's at a minimum going to throw timing off. And when that happens, you're looking at disaster more often than not. And credit to you. You called it last week. Caden Proctor played a much better game having Tyler Booker back next to him to help guide him along yeah. uh, than the game he had played. He's just not advanced enough yet. Right. Where... I mean, we've heard, heard Booker say, sky's the limit with yeah, this kid. But he, he's, he's young. He's a first-year yeah. guy playing against Division One talent, now SEC talent. Yeah. And it's going to be that week in and week out the rest of the way, minus the one game before Auburn, where he's going to be challenged more than he has been until we get to that point. So we'll see exactly um, where it goes from there. Defense was the stalwart, as we'd said earlier. Uh, the only thing they didn't do was get us a pick six. Yeah, defense was great. And we've seen this a lot on Nick Saban coached teams. And I say that because regardless of who the coordinator is, Bama gets this all the time. They throw something out at Alabama that they haven't done all year long Mm -hmm. and may have some early success with it. But Bama always adjusts, seems to adjust, and 
gets a lot better. Texas game's the exception, obviously. But in most games, Alabama's able to make the adjustment and become a lockdown team defensively. Ole Miss, again, scores on the quarterback draw, did some good things to get down there in that position to begin with. But, man, they shorted up the rest of the way. Those, those linebackers run so well. and The secondaries get better, and once you get – Things completely figured out there and experience um, in a couple of spots gets better. Uh, I'm barring any injuries, of course, yeah. anything serious. I think this is going to be an elite defense by the time we get to the end of the year if they're not already close to it. And it almost goes without saying, but here I'm going to say it again. The play of the defense, the play of special teams, they have kept Milrow in a good position. Each no time, w- without them, and you, you don't necessarily always correlate the two, but it's without th- those two components, the offense and Jalen Miller would have been in a heap more trouble each time. No, I, I don't think we give enough credit to what you've got in the kicking game. Mm-hmm. With Will Reichert, if you are inside the 40, you're in all likelihood going to get at least three, 35, be more realistic. Um, if you have to punt the football away, you're going to flip field position. James Burnup is as good as there is. Absolutely. Those are things that shouldn't be taken for granted, and 12 months from now, we might. Yeah. When you when those guys aren't there, I think Burnup's a senior, may just be a junior. But in the case of Will, you know, he's exhausted eligibility and probably can file for Medicare. He's, <laughs> he's old enough now. I mean, so yeah. he'll move on. But you've had the two most reliable kickers, or two that are as reliable as any in the country, mm-hmm. and that's invaluable. And I still think it's going to play a major factor down the stretch somewhere. Um, but, yeah, defense is really, really good. The offense, if they just avoid the turnovers that – Frankly, nobody's had a takeaway. Yeah. Alabama's had a bunch of giveaways, and they've got to improve that, and I think they will. You do a really good job of thinking before you talk. Did you know that? I don't um, do that. You may be the first woman that's ever told me that. I, I, I firmly believe that because I can tell you think of something before you actually say it, and I just, unfortunately, has gotten me in trouble many times. Learned a lot from... Uh, Boy, I'm really hesitant to say this because all that it opens up from, you know, Bill okay. Clinton had to <laughs> bite the lip. If you want to say that role model in that, in that I didn't respect, say role yes. model, okay. but just pause, pause, try to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Um, it's a good likeness I think, in that respect. Thank you so much, Kelly. We'll turn our attention uh, to Mississippi State. Quickly, please. Yes. Okay. Uh, they are coming off a road loss to South Carolina. And not to say it's this is a favorable time, but this is probably as good a time as they get on the SEC track, particularly in a away game for Alabama? Because it's yeah. not even really necessarily a, a far road trip. It's game. not a far trip, no. but you better get a nap. I mean, I know I'm going to – I'll get two naps on Saturday. We don't kick till 8. Um, it'll be a late one. It'll be different. If you come through sluggish, they're good enough to make this a ball game in the second half. It can be a South Florida-type game. They're better than South Florida – they can make this more dangerous. Always physical with them. It's probably as early. I was talking to. Yeah. Uh, I was it's talking usually to a you. November game. It is, and it's all you know. Two weeks before Auburn. Same and, thing as Auburn and Georgia yeah, too. Same thing. No doubt. And uh, talking to Neil Price, their play-by-play guy today, he can't remember, and I can't either. 
a game being played this early in the year between the two. But they're still trying to figure things out with a first-year head coach, even though he'd been in the, obviously been in the part of the staff for a while. But trying to figure out things with him at the helm, they look more like Mississippi State looks traditionally. The air raid is no longer, and, mm-hmm. uh, but they're not who they're going to be in a couple of years. Alabama should win this football game. We know that. But also Alabama's not at a, part, at a point where they can afford to regress. They may play average and still escape with a win. There's no guarantee with it. But they need to get better because it's going to be tougher next week in College Station, yeah. even with A&M having to figure out things without their starting quarterback now. It is. It's an 8 o'clock kick, as you said, uh, Saturday night. Will Alabama spend the night in Tuscaloosa Friday night and then go over to Starkville, do you know? I don't know for a fact, but normally what they do is stay in Columbus. Okay. I didn't know with it so being it's part of the way yeah, over. Just a late game yeah. that they would it, stay in their normal home hotel. There is a very good chance they've done that. I haven't heard. Yeah. But I know normally the routine is to go to Columbus and spend the night. It's a little closer, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever. You get through what I referred to today, and I've never thought of this before. It puts you through the hourglass. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're, when you're going to Starkville, not that it's a, a wide road on 82, but it, it funnels down to about like a, an hourglass with sand. Yeah. When you get to Gordo mm-hmm. and everybody's in like a oh, single yeah. bicycle lane, it feels like, and then it opens back up somewhat as you get to start Vegas. Yeah. So that's, they may go ahead and get on the other side of that and get to Columbus. I don't know. First time we're going to play them in a while without Mike Leach on the other side of the sideline. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's, I know that there will be a lot made of it, um, but, I mean, Mike Leach really was one of those unicorns in college football. He was one of the most unique guys in the business. Uh, really well liked by the people that worked with him, that covered him. Um, talk about going to the beat of his own drummer now. I'm not even sure it was a drum that was playing. He was so different, but it was it was unique. It was effective against a lot. It wasn't against Alabama. Nick Saban beat him soundly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not what the conversation was about with him uh, since his passing, nor should it be. Uh, a guy who by most was extremely well-liked. I know the people that I know that worked with him had a lot of respect for him, really enjoyed him. Uh, poor Neil, who I was talking about earlier, he said, man, I did that coaching show with him. and You're just hanging on for dear life when he throws something out because, you know, I'd have to tell him, Coach, we got to talk a little football tonight, yeah. just a little bit. I won't make you talk much, but we need to talk some. But when a guy's all over the, the world trying, when you're in a show like that and you're trying to – hang on and figure out where it's going. It could be a challenge, but it was always fun. It was never boring, Um, highly entertaining. TV loved covering him. I cannot imagine there being somebody that was much better if you're just trying to have fun and draw eyeballs than than Mike Leach. And enjoy life. Enjoy life. And he was pretty, he was as dry as it gets, but he was really entertaining and I think it was genuine. I don't think it was an all an act. I think that's who he who he was. I agree. I, I had a conversation with him. Uh, it was Ray Mellick, myself, and we were talking to Coach Leach and it started off with him going, have you ever had frozen blueberries? And then the Pirates came in after a while and I, I really don't know if we talked a whole lot of football. but I, I would have loved that because I worked with Ray. Ray and I did a lot of radio together and 
dear friend, and I don't see him nearly enough anymore, but Ray could have handled that oh, fairly well. well. But even Ray, I can see, being a fairly serious guy, Ray was Ray was probably trying to figure out exactly where that was going. Yeah, I felt like the dumbest person in the room, and that wasn't the first time that's <laughs> happened. Um, Every day for me. Uh, you know, as much maligning as we have given Tommy Reese, one thing that I really want to give him credit for, and you go ahead and mark mark where we are on the show and just go ahead and use this as a soundbite, because I love nothing more than a tight end. I love being able to get a tight end in play. I love... I feel like seen, I should be Jim Halpert no, okay. right now. I know. I love that, we have had, that we've had Oots and Dupree and Nyblack. I love seeing those guys involved in the offense. Because right. if, when you look at Georgia and what they've been able to do with Brock Bowers, yeah. That is, I mean, well, it is a sheer it's force on great. the field. You're right, but Brock Bowers could almost line up at any position exactly, he wanted to though. and would be that force. But I totally agree with you. He's an incredible, maybe generational-type talent at that position, and they use him incredibly well. Bama, I knew, was going to use the tight end uh, effectively. I think there were ten different receivers that caught passes of the 17 that Jalen Milroe completed on 21 attempts. And at least two, maybe three tight ends mm-hmm. had catches yeah. in that particular game. Amari Nyblack is one. I still see him as a wide receiver. He's kind of a unique look at tight end. But um, Robbie Utes made a catch, and maybe C.J. Dupree as well, where they go as receptions, but they basically intercepted passes that were going to be in the DB's hands. Yeah. They thought they had picks. Instead, they made grabs. Really good hands. They're going to be a big part of the offense the rest of the way. Uh, they may be the underneath throws that Jalen Milrow makes because rolling the pocket with him and the deep ball will be his strength in addition to obviously running it. But the tight ends were very good. I wouldn't have phrased it all the way you did. That's okay. At the start, I'm, I'm okay admitting you it. Did it I, you did I it love for effect, good, and boy, was it effective. I love a good tight end. So, well, that, congratulations. Don't we all. Congratulations. I'm going to sit here and look at well, okay. spot on the yep. table and move right on. So when I was watching the end of the Nick Saban show, yeah. uh, because I, I, watch every, I watch it every week. Speaking of tight ends, right? Exactly. There you go. I, I loved that when he, the, the play he broke down was the block oh, yeah. hunt. And yes. first of all, he, he does a great job of breaking things down because I can kind of follow along even though he says that the average person can't. Um, Green he, dog and everything else that he throws out there on purpose, it's great. But he even laughed at the end. Yeah, he, he was did. like, and that didn't really work out that way. It Here's was such the, a human moment for yeah. him. Here's the funny thing, Kelly. This is literally the seventh time today that somebody has brought that up to me just today. <laughs> and I don't, I don't mean that in a no, negative way at all. No, because it's great. It is great. And I've, it's probably the fifth interview I've done where it's been asked of me. Because it is something that for many is so unique to see him in a kind of an honest, laughing moment. And it's one of the cool things about doing a show with him, especially after a win. Mm-hmm. Because he will... He will be himself. He loves breaking down a play. He loves being a coach, and he talks about stuff on that video board just in coach speak. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. He's he's saying what he would say pretty much in the film room in describing things. But the the part of that one, we had Daniel Lyerly does a great job of putting together three options at least for coach every week 
on the home games. Of course, we don't have the access to the video uh, playback on the, the road games. But when we do the home games TV show in the studio, and he's got the video board behind him, and he can literally draw it up, telestrator type thing. It's fascinating, but he gets to pick which of the plays. This particular week, we had done offense and defense. We hadn't really had a special teams play to show, and it was a perfect opportunity to do it. They had the end zone camera where they yeah. could show all of that, and that's what he chose to go with. He goes, we didn't do anything with it, though. And this was all fair. He's going, yeah, we didn't do anything with it, though. We snap it back, and we don't get any. got three, and that's it. Wasn't happy. He goes, but, yeah, we need to show this one, so let's do it. We go and run, and he lays all this out, and he, he almost always every week when we have whatever the play is, he will tag it with, and we went on, if it was a defensive play, and we took it and we went on and scored from here, or um, we scored on this drive after this play, and then our defense did a job of kind of icing it and locking things in, whatever the scenario may be. You can see it go in his mind. Well, we snapped it over the guy's head the next snap, and we didn't get anything. Well, we got was three out of it. So there's not a whole lot. He, he really, he literally starts laughing out loud. He goes, "Yeah, we're down here first and goal, and we didn't do a whole lot with it, but at least we got it down on the one." And he starts laughing, and you go clear, and the whole room starts laughing. Um, so it was it was a really cool moment on air and off air, and. Thankful. That's one of those things I got to experience. Is he an affable guy? Like when you're, does yeah. he make small talk, or is he like no, we come down? And no, we're, I okay. mean there's no small talk until it's over. And I'll, I've gotten in the habit of doing this just as, almost as a gag when we win. And so many of these games, like Saturday night, will be an example. It'll be Sunday morning before yeah. we finish the TV show. It'll be after midnight by the time the game ends. He talks to the team, he talks to the media, he talks to recruits, and then he'll come up to the studio and we'll do the show. And the last thing, even though you don't see it sequentially on the show as the play of the game, when we're, when we're actually filming it, that's the last thing. Mm -hmm. Because we move off the set, go over in front of the video board and, and do it there. And then they come back and put the puzzle pieces together, edited, and it'll be in the middle of the show. But it's the last thing we record at the end of the night. And so when he finishes that play, they'll go clear, and he'll hand me the clicker, and I'll go take the rest of the night off. You know, it's 1230 at night. Yeah. Hey, good job. Take the rest <laughs> of the night off. It's the only time I try to inject any humor, right. only time there's small talk, whatever. And he may or may not even respond. But... You know you can you know you can do that and not get your head bitten mm -hmm. off. And well, you know what's appropriate. And it's all about reading the room at any time. With him, you better read it correctly. But that kind of stuff is there are those moments and if I ever again, if I ever learn how to read, I'll write a book. And there'll be some moments like that that I'll ultimately have a chance to tell that I think I think people will enjoy. Not that they're totally unique to me, but they're something that the average person doesn't have the opportunity to experience, and I'm really grateful that I do. I mean, again, it, it makes it makes him human. It, we, so often we don't see him as a human, and it, it really was like a humanizing moment. Sugar Bowl last year, uh, dressing room in the Superdome. We're doing the pregame show. It's 11 a.m. kick. He's in the, I mean, his little dressing room office 
He's just come back from his usual routine, walks around the field, comes back in, and he's going to do the pregame interview with me. And what is also the routine, just before the team arrives, they hit start on the coffee maker. The coffee maker travels to every game. Every place we go, the same coffee maker, I think, that's in his office, maybe it's not the same one, but it's a replica, there is one that goes on the road and always has a cup of coffee, you know, a fresh pot that's made, and it's starting and percolating everything. Well, it's it's 9 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. in New Orleans before the Sugar Bowl against Kansas State. How we doing, Chris? Good, Coach. How are you? Good. And that coffee smells good. Want a cup? And I almost, accepted, I almost accepted just to say Nick Saban poured me a cup. Okay. But I'd all, I said, Coach, I've already had two. I appreciate the offer. Mm-hmm. And I passed on it. I went, dummy, you should have done it. You could say, Nick, save me poor chicken. He started coffee. you coffee. Should have done it. Is he a cream and sugar guy? Uh, I think he drinks it black. Uh, does I think not he drink, surprise me. Because you know bit. the story on him, the, the little Debbies and, mm-hmm. the, and the basically day-old cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. He used to tell the story that, you know, he'd heat up on the microwave the coffee left from the other day because he wanted to start. He wanted to taste back because he wanted to start his day off in a bad mood, and then he had the most sadistic grin on his face when he said it. I don't know if that's still the case, but it used to be. And wow, it's great. Do people so ever good. recognize your voice when you're out? It's funny that I'm. I get more of that yeah. now in people. So I knew that voice in my line, and I say it somewhat jokingly, but I think. So what mean that? I said, man, it's really disappointing when you see me in real life. And it, so, anyway, no. sound six four and strapping and good looking on air, and then you see this. Oh, like, stop it! No, I only get it usually when I'm yelling at my dog or my children. People are like, I knew where do I know your voice from? I'm like, I'm just one of those people. That, uh, just one of those moms. That I, have one, their dogs I have one. I have one of those voices. Uh, okay, when people can't find you on air, they can find you at prison. Yes. Uh, find Again. me. Uh, man, if I ever get arrested, that's going to be really bad. It will. <laughs> Mike, he's, he called it. He said called it. A, called called a shot, shot two weeks in a row. Did indeed. Uh, ChrisStewartOnline.com is the website. It's got the link to all my social media sites. And um, do a uh, do my own podcast there and through social media. It's really kind of a um, very brief recap of the weekend, less than 10 minutes ago. And talk about some stuff uh, and actually I spend a good part of the time just promoting this okay. but hope Thank you'll you. check that out on the front end of the week and then join us here uh, on respect the process right. on the back end and you got to give us one before we leave roll tight everybody so Chris Stewart with two S's that's it online. one at the end of Chris one at the beginning of Stewart got to make sure you know that yeah. we will see you next week respect the process I'm Kelly Hunter Chris Stewart have a great week